Conferencine, bringing you more reviews, recaps, and rants on all your favorite K-dramas. This is Drama Buds, an anime podcast. So hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Drama Buds. Okay everyone, sit down, relax, because I am so seated. <laughs> I am so relaxed, I am slathered in skincare, there is tea beside me, we're super chill today. I'm back. It's been two weeks since I last posted an episode. I went on vacation and then a lot of things happened. And that's why I'm so tired that I couldn't make, you know, a full uh, first impressions episode on moving. I wanted to review it this week. But then a lot has happened. I will do life updates in a bit. And I just could not muster the energy to give a good review for something that I'm really enjoying. And I really want everyone to watch it with me. So, yeah, I'll wait for next week to do my moving episode when I'm a little less stressed. But for today, it's just a really chill chat. That's it. We, we need to workshop these, uh, these segment names, but that's all I got for you. <laughs> that's the, the most creativity I can come up with. And yeah, I'm just gonna talk a bit about life because I'm a person and things happen to me, to my life. And also, yeah, the currently watching K-dramas, but not as structured as my usual first impressions episode. I'm When I say I'm scriptless, I'm really, truly scriptless right now. Yeah, I just want to talk about what I'm watching because I'm really genuinely enjoying everything I'm watching. Like, you know how last time when it was like King of the Land, 19th Life, Revenant, that, that era, June, right? I did a lot of first impressions that month and I said I liked most of them. But honestly, I dropped all three of those. <laughs> I did. And that doesn't mean like I was being, you know, fake with my first impressions. Like, those were genuinely my thoughts. But then at some point, I just kind of gave up and I realized like I'm not enjoying this as much as I want to. And then I thought, oh god, here we go again. Another slump. Oh no. Uh, and then, yeah, I took a break for the past two weeks. Went on vacation with my family. And even if we were yeah, walking around, going everywhere for two weeks, I still, of course, made time to watch K-dramas. And ended up with three ongoing shows that I kind of love. I kind of love everything I'm watching right now, which is crazy. So, okay, yeah, life updates. How have the past two weeks been? Uh, what did we do? We ate a lot. We walked a lot. Oh, my God. You know, one day we took like a coastal walk along, you know, some scenic parts. And I walked 16,000 steps that day. And that's also the same day that I spent like four hours and uh, 54 minutes on Twitter. <laughs> According to my phone screen time. So, guys, guys. Every time someone says, you're so chronically online, go touch some grass. Guys, I'm telling you, you can do both. <laughs> you can touch grass. You can take a walk along the water with your family, have a great meal, make some great memories. And, you know, also spend five hours on Twitter because someone annoyed you. There, you can do it all. You guys can do it all. Um, Speaking of doing it all, guys, I'm going to grad school in like two weeks. Ah! I'm so excited. I, <laughs> nothing's been happening to my life for the past year. So it's just, I'm just so excited to, to finally do something to study. And you will see this manifest in the podcast in, in two ways, probably. Either you'll hear the phrase, oh, in, I remember in class, or oh, we discussed this, yada, yada, yada. You'll hear that a lot, especially because I think, I think I'm doing theories of personality 
in first term. So, you know, I love to psychoanalyze characters and you're gonna hear a lot about that. Or, or I will just be so despondent. I will just acknowledge that I know nothing. And that is normal. And that is okay. And that's just how, how it is. I don't know. It could go either way. But yeah, super excited. And I will I will definitely still be making time for K-dramas and for the podcast. Of course. <laughs> of course. But yeah, just so excited for a new chapter in life. Here we go again. Oh, I'm going to make this about my liberation notes. But we'll, we'll do the sappy stuff later at the end of the episode. <laughs> so that I know you've stuck around because you want to hear it. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So for the rest of this episode, I'm just going to go through my currently watching list. Not scripted, like my usual first impressions or reviews. I'm just... I'm just really going off my thoughts. I should have taken notes. I need to get back into the habit of taking notes while watching things. Or maybe no. Maybe this is okay. I just want to enjoy what I'm watching. Anyway, yeah. Let's just get on with my currently watching list. So I'll start with moving on Disney Plus because I yeah I want to save a lot of my thoughts for my first impressions episode and also I'm kind of waiting for this week's episode because this week is the one with Liu Songryong and Kwak Sonyong's like backstory. Uh, last week we got the joint song Han Yoju oh, episodes and oh my gosh guys I think they are they are parents of the year yeah I think they are my <laughs> my Gu and Mijo. <laughs> I think they're my Gu and Mijong for 2023. Congratulations to uh, what's their names? <laughs> Congratulations to them. But yeah, parents of the year. Okay, so moving. If you didn't know, if you haven't seen it everywhere, because people are posting spoilers left and right, and it's it's fine. Honestly, my opinion on spoilers is that I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Do whatever you want. Anyway. Moving is about superheroes, about people with superpowers who used to be government agents and then something happened that made them yeah, retire from being agents and live normal lives, but they're kind of on the run because when they started families and had children, they discovered that their children inherited their superpowers. And so they're afraid that the government might take their children away from them or, you know, kill them because they don't want news about these superpowers getting out. And so you'd think, okay, so a superpower show. Oh, why would I be interested in that? Like, why is that something that's worth watching? Anyone who has said those words, like, why would I want to watch a superhero show? It's just going to be, you know, fighting, crying, trying to save the world. Uh, guys, guys, if that's your impression or what you think moving is about, you're not wrong, but it's so much more than that. Ultimately, it's about family. Oh, you know how that gets me immediately. Oh, family. Oh, my God. Drama of the year. Drama of the year immediately. <laughs> uh, no, really. It's, yeah, it's about these parents trying to protect their children, you know, trying to keep them safe. But also, these teenagers are, are growing into their own people and then having to constantly hide themselves. Kind of, yeah, it, it's, it's a difficult life to live. The first seven episodes, which were released in one day, by the way, a crazy release schedule, odd numbers. Oh my god, it's killing me, actually. It's killing me that we're we're on odd numbers here. But okay, I understand the vision. So the first seven episodes kind of focused on the three kids and how they're in one high school and they're kind of being assessed and to, you know, who's developing powers or not. 
And we have these three kids who most prominently have powers. And it feels a little bit regular high school friends to lovers. Bongsok and Hisu, oh, so adorable. But then you kind of dig deeper into their characters and their relationship with their parents. And, you know, Bongsok's mom, played by Han Yoju, you know, she's always trying to tie him down. Literally, literally keeping weights on him, keeping him fat, feeding him so that he doesn't float away. Because, of course, it's so easy to discover his powers if he just starts floating. And for Hisu, we see how, you know, her power is that she can't feel pain. And so she got into a huge brawl with a bunch of students from previous school and got expelled. And that kind of disrupted, you know, the life that her father was kind of settling in. Like for once, he decided to stop moving around and running away and, you know, settle somewhere, get a stable job so that she can study and, you know, kind of have a normal life. And then she kind of messed all that up. But there's just there's just so much understanding between between parents and children. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of those feelings. And we'll have at least yeah one more flashback story with Hisu's parents. So that's probably the sappy family stuff. I'm excited for it because her mom dies, so it's very angsty. <laughs> I'm also excited for uh, when Joe Song's character will come back. Is he actually dead? What's What's happening here? I don't know. But yeah, if you think moving is just about superpowers and you think I would not be into that, give it a chance first. This is the type of drama that I will tell everyone, even if you think it's not for you, at least try it. It might get you even if you never expected it to. It might hit something in you. And speaking of family relations, actually, the number one family relations drama of the year is not others. Guys, oh, I love this drama so much. It's actually my number one. Currently, in my rankings, not others is number one to me. It's about Unmi, who got pregnant as a teenager, and the guy who got her pregnant, Jin Hong, he didn't know that she was pregnant when he was whisked away by his parents because she's a bad influence on him and he's such a such a good upstanding boy who should just be studying and all that. So yeah, he didn't know about that. So I feel like you can't really blame him for leaving her like that. Anyway, so she became a teen mom and has no parents, kind of got semi-adopted or taken care of by her best friend and her best friend's mom. And how this this village raised Jinhee, her daughter, with her. And now we meet them when Jin is like around 30-ish and and they're both, you know, adults living together. And yeah, that's it. That's it, actually. That's the basic premise. That it's just a mom and a daughter who are both adults and kind of close in age and treat each other like best friends and not like typical mother-daughter who is the provider and the dependent. And it's so, so charming and so refreshing because... Mm, you know how in a lot of K-dramas, it's frustrating to watch. Well, one situation is like a super immature child and then this mother who's just so self-sacrificing, who gives everything. It's like it's exhausting to watch that dynamic. And then on the other hand, there's also, you know, the mother who's so controlling, who means well and wants the best for a child, but is just suffocating the, the child. And the kid who is not a kid anymore, who is a grown adult, it's like, my guy, you are an adult. You should be able to make decisions for yourself. And you, mother, why are you treating your child like they are still a literal child? They can make decisions for themselves. This is their life. But in Not Others, this is a story of two grown women 
who are mother and daughter who treat each other like grown women. They have adult conversations, literally, literally adult conversations, and treat each other like they can make decisions for themselves. And then, you know, somehow the Jin Hong, the father, comes back and he's a he's a big loser. He ended up just being a loser all his life who just followed his parents, whatever his parents told him to do. And eventually he cut them off. But, you know, he hasn't done much with his life. And then when he and Unmi meet again, you know, Unmi kind of not really resents him. Because, you know, she understands that it's not really his fault. He didn't know that she was pregnant. You know, she's not... Like, jumping into his arms, but she also can't help but pity him because he's genuinely such a loser. And they kind of get back together or start dating. And it's actually refreshing to me that they revealed to Jin Hee early on that Jin Hong was her father. Because I think, yeah, that led to the plot of, you know, Jin Hong kind of wanting to insert himself in that family dynamic. But okay, okay, here's the really a touchy episode. I think episode 7 was pretty touchy for a lot of people. It turned a lot of people off on Unmi and on the show, but I would like to defend it. So Unmi and Jin Hee get into a fight because, you know, Jin Hee reveals that she's always felt really insecure because, you know, Unmi and Jin Hong have started to date and Jin Hee kind of has a breakdown, not about it necessarily, but like something when she was a child that she heard from from people around her mom that, you know, don't let your child stop you from getting married or being happy or whatever. Just in general, Jin Hee grew up with a feeling that she shouldn't be a burden to her mother, right? Like her existence is a burden to her mother and she doesn't want to feel that way. That's why she, you know, did her best in school. That's why she chose to be a policeman so that, you know, it's, it's free education. She doesn't have to burden her mother any longer with education. So she's a very considered child. Great. But when she has that outburst, I think... I mean, I'm trying to understand how she feels like she hurt her mother by, you know, kind of, how do I say this? I think it's kind of like she assumed something of her mother. She assumed that her mother would be that uh, terrible or selfish that she would think Jin He, her own daughter, is a burden. It's kind of like assuming the worst of someone and like you hate that you did that to them. Y- you understand what I mean? It's like, I, I don't want to think you're that terrible. But I will still choose to be considerate and to not step on your toes. Even if you never told me that. Even if you never made me feel that way. I'll just do that of my own accord. Right? I feel like, yeah, there was a there was a lot of back and forth there of like who is hurting whom by by being too considerate of them. Something like that. That's something I really like about this show, about their dynamic. It's like sometimes they're hurting each other because they're being too considerate. Because they're thinking of each other too much. Anyway, so to make amends for that. Jin Hee invites Unni on a trip to the beach or something. And then, surprise, surprise, Unmi brings Jin Hong along. And so, yeah, even I was rubbed the wrong way with that whole storyline. Because, like, girl, why would you do that? Like, why would you make this trip uncomfortable for everyone? And, yeah, a bunch of incidents happen, yada, yada, yada. And Jin Hong keeps trying to uh, make situations to interact with Jin Hee and to make it, like, you know, a family trip. Which... I understand why he would come up with that conclusion or try to make that effort. Like, I understand why he would do that. Jinhee is not hostile to him. She's perfectly neutral. But, you know, she's not out here jumping into this guy's arms saying, Hi, Dad. She doesn't know him. She, he's a stranger to her. And Unmi is like in the middle of that, telling Jin Hong to go away. But also, she's the one who invited him on this trip. So like, why'd you bring him along if you didn't want to involve him? And her explanation and how she confronted Jin Hong about this is something that I really actually understand. She didn't invite him to this trip so that he could insert himself into the family. Because 
you know, Unmi's relationship with her daughter is separate from Unmi's relationship with Jinhong, and that is separate from Jinhong's relationship with Jinhee, who is his daughter biologically, but, you know, the family relation, the relationship isn't really there. Like, I understand that concept, that those are three separate relationships. Uh, it's, it's kind of frustrating that she expected people to read her mind about that, but, you know, she kind of communicated that to him and then also communicated that to Jinhee and also said that, you know, I would never throw you away. Like, just to assure her, verbally that I would never consider that. And I do love Unmi as a mother because she shows that. It's not just words. When uh, Jinhee catches Jinhong with another woman and tells her mom that, yeah, he's cheating on you, Unmi doesn't jump to his defense or whatever. She's not down bad for this guy. <laughs> if it comes down to it, she will defend Jinhee. She will defend the family she actually has with Jinhee, with her best friend, with her best friend's mom. Like That's her real family. They keep hammering that in and so it feels genuine it feels like she really means that that she's not waiting for Jin Hong to complete her family or to make it a real family this time no her real family has been with her all this time and I really really love that essentially yeah I love how this is a relationship between two grown women who are mother and daughter who treat each other like friends and, you know, get into fights that you think, oh man, this would be the ultimate falling out. But it's not because they're family and they're the type of family that sticks together. And I feel like the show is very forgiving and gracious to Unmi and all of, you know, the sacrifices she's made to raise Jinhee with as much love as she can and all the mistakes that she, you know, understandably would make as a young mother. Like, it's so forgiving to her. And I think at this point in her life, now that her daughter is a grown adult who can make decisions for herself, she also has the right to treat herself as someone who can make decisions for herself and have the relationship that she wants with Jin Hong, who is a big loser, who also has never really lived for himself because his parents were so controlling. And yeah, I don't, I don't love their scenes necessarily, but I, un- I like what it's saying. If we're talking about the scenes I love, though, I love the scenes with uh, Jin Hee and Jeon, the played by Park Sung Hoon. Like his chemistry with Soyoung, ah, love it for them. Slow burn kind of enemies to lovers who were never really enemies, <laughs> and they just become you know partners and help each other out. Ah. I love it. I love it. I love them. They're in one of my top couples this year. Oh my gosh. I feel like there's so much I want to say about this. And I feel like there's already so much that I have said about it. But I really love Not Others. Yeah, guys, it's on Vicky. Please, please watch it. I think it's just so, so refreshing. Why did I say so much? Like, (laughs) raw audio? That was 20 minutes of me talking. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, yeah, this is is bringing back old drama buds. (laughs) This is bringing back uh, 2020 episodes, 2021. (laughs) Anyway, okay, so moving on to dramas that I can't say much about. I cannot say much about Mask Girl. I finished episode 3 a few days ago, haven't gotten back to it. I've heard good reviews, and honestly, first episode was 10 out of 10 for me. I love the direction, the cinematography, the art, the the, the, the wallpapers, the rooms, the set design. Everything, Ihan Biel's acting, she's really good. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. 
Episode 2 was more of like a 9 out of 10. Dropped a little bit. Episode 3 was kind of boring to me. Dropped a lot. But I heard good things about episodes 4 or 5 onwards. It's only 7 episodes. I, I don't have much to say about it. It's gorgeous. Like, to me, definitely best director in, in my personal rankings already this year. Uh, I heard this has the same art director as Little Women, which makes sense. Totally makes sense. You can see it in the set design, in the, the rooms, in the lighting. Oh, it's gorgeous. And I really can't say much about it. But I think if you're a little queasy or sensitive to sexual content, like, okay, maybe this isn't for you. But uh, I'm really excited for when Nana and when Go Hyunjung come in. How they come into the story, I still don't know. Uh, moving on to my dearest. Okay. So finally, a sagok that I'm into. Ah, uh, how do I say this? I kind of had a feeling that I would like this. But the first episodes were really slow. And But I was telling myself, you know, it's a 20-episode drama. It's gonna pace itself the way it wants to pace itself. You have to have patience. I felt like I was gonna continue it. Like I wanted to continue it. I wanted to see where the story would go. But I only got hooked in episode 4, which was crazy. So good. So good. Because it starts out, you know, kind of light. They, they're in a village and all they care about is, you know, dating and being with uh, with the scholars in the village. And uh, Ananjin's character is, <laughs> she's kind of flirty. She, you know, has a lot of game and can play around with all the, the silly little boys in the village. <laughs> but she's only really interested in Master Yeonjun, who is already engaged to her best friend. She keeps trying to seduce him or get his attention, but like he's so straight and narrow because he's like the best scholar in their village. And their world just seems so small and their problems are so trivial. And then suddenly, war. <laughs> what I love about episode four is how it throws these characters who lived such simple, sheltered lives into that brutality and that violence. And how young Master Yeonjun, who is, yeah, the best scholar in, in their village, so righteous, so virtuous, so dedicated to the king and to the country. And, you know, he gets into a battle and is just completely <laughs> knocked out immediately because he's useless with a sword. And, and his fellow scholars, who he kind of recruited into the militia to help the war efforts, he was selling, you know, loyalty to the country and to the king. And this is our duty as scholars of the of Joseon, yada, yada, yada. And then he saw those fellow scholars and friends dying. You know, he, he knows their families. He knows the women that are waiting for them back home in their village. And he led them to their death. Not because he's some, you know, powerful general, because he's also a weakling. But he's so stuck, stuck in the mindset of, no, this is the right thing to do. We are virtuous, righteous men. This is what we must do. And uh, that's how you're going to get killed, my guy. That's how you die. But okay. And we kind of have him in contrast with uh, Chang Yun, our, our main character played by Nam Kung Min, who is, he seems to have a past. We still have not seen his past. As of episode 4, by the way, uh, 5 and 6 are out now, but I like to focus on this show. I like to be fully in the mood. And right now, I'm very stressed. <laughs> so I can't focus on it. But I will get to it soon. Um, anyway, he's kind of the complete opposite of Jang Yun, who seems to be living a carefree life. He has a past, definitely. 
uh, I, I don't know anything about the history, the historical figures that uh, are inspired these uh, these characters or they're based upon. I don't know anything, but yeah, Zhang Yun kind of you know marches to his own beat and would rather hide instead of um, helping the militia and helping the king's efforts because you know yeah he knows war, he knows battle. He knows the brutality of these barbarians and then he knows that it's not glorious like how people describe war to be. And he's also kind of interested and kind of flirting with Gilche, with An Unjin's character, who ends up evacuating the, the village and is stuck with her best friend and their maids. And they're out in the woods, you know. Some one of one of the handmaidens is giving birth, and it's funny because Anun Jin is, you know, Doctor Chuminha from Hospital Playlist, who is an OB. So funny reference. I'm sure that was intentional in a way. Yeah, just having the guts to, you know, be disgusted and be kind of like a prim lady who who doesn't know about any of this. But when it comes down to it. She'll be the one to distract the barbarians, to hide their tracks cleverly, to yeah help the maiden give birth. She'll be the one to kill someone, yeah, kill a barbarian for for trying to assault uh, her best friend. Like immediately, she is thrust into this dangerous situation, and she becomes a completely different person. And she reveals all her her wits and her cunning, and I love her character so much. Guys, Anunjin, Bixang Best Actress nominee. I am starting the campaign now. I believe in it. I believe in her. Episode 4 alone, she at least deserves a spot. I still don't know what to feel about her and Nam Kung Min. Like, chemistry? I don't, I don't know yet. But story-wise, oh, I'm in. I'm into the story. But we'll see in episodes 5 and 6. I think that'll get me on board. Uh, I hope so. Anyway, that's j- just what I like about it, you know, throwing these very sheltered characters and their small problems straight into danger and battle and war and how they adapt to it or fail to adapt. There, that's that's what interests me so far about My Dearest, but it's a very long drama. We have uh, 16 more episodes and oh, it's, I'm so annoyed that it's going to be split into two parts. So 10 episodes, 10 episodes. The part two will be in October, I think. So, yeah, I'll do the midpoint recap episode before it airs. So that's it for me today. I don't know if I missed any points, but whatever. (laughs) If I didn't get to say it, then you'll hear about it in the Q3 recap. If I end up remembering it by then. <laughs> oh guys, if you're on Disney Plus, if you're watching Moving and you have Disney Plus, watch Only Murders in the Building <laughs> Season 3. I love it. Like this is media that's perfectly made for me. It's yeah, murder mystery, informal, that's not like an investigation conducted by the police, and they're still kind of, you know, trying to suss out who among this cast of characters uh, did the murder and also musicals so perfectly suited for me that's media for me i'm having a great time that's it yeah i feel like tv is the only thing keeping me sane because yeah before i found out that i got into the grad school last week 
oh my goodness <laughs> I was so stressed I was so stressed and now I'm stressed because I'm handling all the enrollment stuff oh my gosh it's been crazy guys it's been a crazy two weeks for me not to make this about my liberation notes but like <laughs> you've already made it this far I might as well do it like I just felt like for the past year I've been living Changhee's life in episodes 14 and 15 it's like it's great that I have a lot of time to do what I want to do and explore my interests like him exploring art and stuff is me exploring I don't know yeah musical theater and freelancing and whatever doing a bunch of stuff and spending time with my family I would not exchange that for anything else I think it is important to have taken that time but oh this just a feeling of this can't be it this is not it. <laughs> I do not feel good about this being the rest of my life. This cannot be it. And so, the university I ended up in kind of stumbled my way to this. Uh, just like Changhee, you know, stumbling his way into that uh, funeral director class. I stumbled my way into this, uh, this university. Not my first choice, but I think it's where I'm meant to be. Because <laughs> it's where I am. So that's probably, that probably means something. And yeah, I told you, I can make everything about my liberation notes. Ah, <laughs> oh, great drama. Hey, at some point, you will hear about me re-watching that for the sixth time. Who knows? We never know what's gonna happen next. But yeah, currently, that's all I'm watching. I'm having a great time. The previous cycle, yeah, I, I lied when I said that, oh yeah, K-dramas are eating good good for everyone who enjoyed it but personally i did not end up finishing any of them this time i think i have genuinely found several dramas that i really actually want to finish and want to stick to so next week i will be doing an episode on moving on my first impressions it's actually gonna be properly organized this time but yeah i think that's it for me today thank you so much for listening and i will see you soon